0: Welcome to The sport of It's number 274 and joining me in his role as backup commentator extraordinaire, official brother of the podcast, Dave. I believe my title is The Other One. The Other Marthaller. Mm-hmm. I'm John Marthaller. To tell our voices apart, I'm trying to think of how we can do this. I'm getting over a cold, so mine's the one that's a little bit scratchy, a little bit off. Dave is the one that has all of the knowledge and the facts. Right. And I, I, if it is someone who is spewing something that is actively slanderous, that's probably me. <laughs> Just for any legal challenges to the podcast. Slander is all Dave. Um, I'm suddenly uncomfortable with this. <laughs> Dave's not ready for this podcast. The big news, Paul Fenton, he's fired. He's gone, everybody. He's finally fired. It's hard to believe that he actually <laughs> he got fired. In what way is it hard to believe? It's it's hard to believe in the sense that the NHL is a league in which firing is not an immediate thing that happens. You rarely see somebody... That that is untrue. There have been multiple teams in the last 20 years that have won the Stanley Cup with an interim coach. Right. We're talking about people who get fired immediately when their incompetence becomes obvious. Usually their incompetence goes on for many years. How often do you see GMs get hired and fired in one year? It's a fairly rare thing. No, but given the number of GMs who make it obvious within three months that they ought to be fired. It's true. And some, I mean, Fenton should have been fired after last year's draft. <laughs> he they, they, should they, have. Brought, they brought him up. He drafted someone no one had ever heard of. And really that, they should have cut their losses. Yeah. At, at, that, at point. that point, that's, that's a guy where you say that guy can't do it. Right. All right. Well, we, we lost that draft, but let's just move forward without him. We can, we can do better than this. And as a matter of fact, they can. I I think the amazing thing to me is this set in the context of Minnesota sports as a whole. We have had an awfully large number of people who have had a top job of some kind on the Minnesota sports scene and gone from there to never ever having that job again. You look at the list of NHL GMs, and usually you get one GM job, and then you continue to get GM jobs in perpetuity until you retire. Case in point, Chuck Fletcher, who the Wild fired two summers ago, I guess now, and almost immediately was named the Flyers GM. Right. Not because of his amazing success in Minnesota, but just because once you're on the GM carousel, you're there for life. Another another example of this is college football. No matter how unsuccessful or disappointing you are, you can almost always find another university to snow under and take a chance on you. Here, the example I'm thinking of is Jimbo Fisher. but <laughs> Jim, Jimbo got that money. Jimbo got, Jimbo got paid. <laughs> Jimbo America. hasn't failed at all. Jimbo has gone from strength to strength. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is Minnesota has had guys like Tim Brewster who was never a head coach at the college football level before taking the Minnesota job and never will be again. But, There's uh, no chance he'll ever coach another team. We're, we're doing the gopher preview later, but that is the implied threat of the gopher job. Right. Once you get fired here, you stay fired. <laughs> it's, I, it's over I, for you. they there. I, I believe John Guttekunst popped up a few years ago, coaching special teams at North Carolina. And that's about the only example. It is, it is true that the, la- the last Gopher coach to go on to coach another college football team was Lou Holtz. Right. And Literally he, the last he one. He took another job. He was, right. la- he was also the last one anyone else wanted. Goody, that was the last head coaching job. Wacker, Mason, all of them left coaching afterwards because nobody else would give them a job. They, or, or they found their level. Tracy Clays is back being a defensive coordinator, and that's, right. that is his life. So we've had Tim Brewster, we had David Kahn, who I think at this point in the annals of the sports pages of the of the papers in Minnesota, the names Paul Fenton and David Kahn will be twinned together forever as failure GMs. But David Kahn never was a GM. And he so not being a GM was is where he belonged. Right. Like he wasn't he a journalist or a con man or something before he was a GM? Journalists for sure. Con man, we're getting into that slander territory. So we're just (laughs) going to leave that aside. I mean, didn't you, didn't you like pop up as the governor of a state in Belgium or something? (laughs) No, that, that was the Minnesota Thunder owner (laughs) (laughs) the former Thunder owner. Dean Johnson eventually went on to become some sort of, Again, we're verging re- on slander territory. Dean Johnson, I... We'll just leave that aside. But the point that I want—the point that I want Wait, to get—no, I to... want to go back to slandering a former Thunder <laughs> owner. <laughs> I don't think Dean Johnson is going to hear this podcast. Right. L- look, everybody, when you turned this on, you heard, "Oh, it's John and Dave this week." Yeah, you knew we were going to be in the weeds very quickly. Yeah. So the fact that you didn't immediately delete it, this is on you. We mentioned anyway, Glenn Mason without complaining about him. So well, that's, that's something. I-, I also enjoy how quickly we went to. Complaining about the last 30 years of gopher football coaches <laughs> when we were supposedly talking about current events in the wild. Yep, there's a lot happening. And Do you have of- any feelings about Brad Buto that you want to share <laughs> right now? But well, let me tell you, Dave, when the Wooger came in, it was like a breath of fresh air. All right, so that, uh, that amazing aside, it's just, it's surprising to me how the low point for so many Minnesota teams is the high point of the career of so many people. <laughs> Les Steckel, another great example, to go back a few years. It's just, we're like the first, we're not the, We're not a place for second chances. We're a place for people's first chance and their last chance, all wrapped into one. We, we give people a chance and they <laughs> prove they shouldn't have been given that chance. Right, which which does bring you to the next point of the wild, which is, Fenton obviously is going to be a laughing stock and a punching bag forever, but the real guy to blame here is Craig Leopold. Well, Leopold's been the guy to blame for years now. Right. I'm, I'm glad people seem to have noticed finally, <laughs> but for years, why the reason they can't get better is because of the contracts that Leopold forced, forced Fletcher to sign. Right. He decided "What well, we're going to go for it. And that was stupid. And now they're stuck with, Suter and Parisi and Koivu for the next thirty six years. It's funny we we talk a lot on this podcast about the the lazy, incompetent, evil axis, mm-hmm. and Leopold is the strongest example of a guy who is so solidly zero one hundred and zero on that axis. He's not lazy at all. He's absolutely he's the most engaged owner in Minnesota. And evil, he just wants to win. He's not evil at all. He's just incredibly incompetent in making that happen. I, I I was wondering today, like when you see Glenn Taylor do things that are ridiculous, I often wonder, because Taylor Companies is like a Fortune 500, Fortune, right. Fortune 1000 company, right? Yeah, like, big deal. And so I wind up wondering... How in the world has Glenn Taylor been that successful <laughs> when he manages like this? Right. Um, so with Craig Leopold, I I had that thought. I wonder how Craig Leopold got to be this successful. And then I pondered a bit and I thought, I don't know how Craig Leopold actually was successful. So I went and looked mm-hmm. at his bio on probably Wikipedia. Right. Which was very thin. And then, and I scrolled down, and I couldn't figure out how this man might have had the money to purchase an NHL team. Right. And then I got to, and I could not figure it out. And then I got to the part about spouse, Mm -hmm. and discovered that he's married to the granddaughter of S. C. Johnson, who started the S. C. Johnson companies. Yeah. Who is worth almost four billion dollars? He's got that Johnson and Johnson money. Right. So, what I realized that I didn't know, maybe everyone else knew. The reason Craig Leopold has now owned two hockey teams is his rich wife bought him one to get him out of the house. <laughs> he just needed an activity, to And maybe he's such a wonderful husband and father that he deserved two hockey teams. But I submit that this man manages the way you would expect the someone who doesn't actually know how to do anything would manage a hockey team. He, he's, <laughs> he's very excited about it. But he seems to think that the way way to improve the team is to say you have a great team a lot. And maybe it will come true. Which, to be fair, when it comes to playoff hockey, is not that far from reality. It it is possibly true, but it is... You just are real confident in your team and hope your goalie gets hot. I I assume... I'm I'm glad he owns hockey teams because I assume if he was like a... Investment manager or something. His investment strategy would be saying, "I have one billion dollars into the bathroom mirror ten times." <laughs> yeah, I guess the the real victory of the Wild franchise and the Predators franchise before it is that it made Craig Leopold not into a politician. Yeah, it, it, it kept it, him it kept him busy. Right, it it's, got him out of the house. It kept him busy. Uh-huh. The, the Wild ownership is like the state senate; it takes those people <laughs> out of the general population. <laughs> <laughs> wow, hot politics takes <laughs> from here on The Sportive, from unlikely sources. Um, so I, I do want to go back, just take a couple of minutes to review the high points of the Paul Fenton uh, tenure. And ask which was your favorite, Did which you, was the favorite. I'm just going to go this, through them. This is a for certain values of high, I guess. Yes, this is. I the, mean, the, the, high high points in the sense of high. the notable moments. Yeah, the the infamous times. I, I mean, if Paul Fenton was high for these things, it'd be nice because we'd at least have had an explanation. <laughs> Whoa, I think Victor Ask is a man. Anyway, continue. Yeah, that was my that was my invitation of somebody being high, and it was not a good one. Um, all right, so here are some of the candidates for your mm-hmm. possible favorite Paul Fenton move. Right, there was trading Charlie Coyle for a guy who's nineteen years old. That almost was vaguely defensible. That because. might be the best trade, he made mm-hmm. And it's one that was roundly everybody in the league seemed to say that's all they got for a guy who can play center and score. They got a prospect. Was that for Donato? That was for Donato. That was for Ryan Donato. And my reaction at the time was, I wonder if that's his aunt, but I was thinking of the Granatos, not the Donato. That's right. He's not a Granato. He's a Donato. Yeah. There was trading Mikhail Granlund for a worse version, a younger, less proven version of Granlund, Mm -hmm. Kevin Fiala. There was the time that after trying to get younger all year... Fenton signed a thirty-year-old guy to a six-year contract with a clause in the contract that said they couldn't trade him to anybody. Matt Zuccarello, do, do you get the sense that Zuccarello's agent may have tried to talk Fenton down a little bit? <laughs> like six years? Yeah. Are, Are you, you sure? sure? Yeah. A No, no move. Most guys like to go three years. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we could do three in a no-trade clause. Are you saying a? You're saying full no-move clause? Do you mean? Do you know what that means exactly? Yeah, yeah. That means that you can't do anything to get out from this contract. If right. right? it's not you can trade us to anyone, that would be a full move. Yes. Plug. This is a no They're move. They're different clause. things. Those and Fenton's just there, he's looking off those, those are opposites. Right. And Fenton slammed his fist on the table and said, no, <laughs> I want to make this the worst contract. All right. So the next one is the time that Fenton tried for weeks to trade Eric Stahl almost had a deal to send send him to the Boston Bruins, and in the, the last moment, instead of trading him, signed him to a two-year contract. That that must have, maybe he just liked thinking he was keeping everyone on their toes. <laughs> like He calls him in and is like, I'm giving you a two-year deal. And Stahl, Stahl asked, you mean you're extending me to next year? And he's like, no, two years. <laughs> and Eric Stahl said, I'm 53 years yeah. old. Does this year count as one of those yeah, years? That can't uh-huh. be right. Counting this one, or does it start next year? And finally, I think the one that he'll probably be remembered for, Nino Niederreiter for Victor Ask, which was, um, it's amazing in retrospect, but it was also amazing at the time to trade a guy who scored 20 goals in the NHL for a guy who literally couldn't get on the ice for the Carolina Hurricanes, who at that time were not the playoff team that they turned out to be. In fact, the trade was really the thing that spurred on the Hurricanes. It was a real catalyst for the Kings. You took their worst player and gave them a decent player. Uh, You know, really, to say Fenton didn't have an impact is wrong because he he got three teams into the playoffs. He got the Bruins into the Stanley Cup finals. Uh It was kind of by falling out of the playoffs, he made things easier for the Blues. He had a league wide impact. Just not on making the Wild any better. Yeah, so maybe the league hired him? (laughs) I think. I I hate playing GM, but the most amazing thing about the Rask-Niederreiter thing was when the trade was made, it it sort of seemed like, well, they they got rid of a guy who was playing out of position for the Wild, and I'm sure they got some salary cap relief. But it has turned out, not only was Rask terrible and unable to get on the ice, he had a bunch of years left on his contract that was not all that team friendly. I I thought... When when United had the worst player in the league, and also possibly the worst player everyone had seen, mm-hmm. I thought it was historic because when do you see that to have the worst player in yeah. league history? And um, he was also and, the highest paid player on the team, right? In the wild. Managed to do that and trade somebody for him. <laughs> it, it wasn't like, you know. They, they, they just signed him. Yeah. They, they it just, wasn't a bad free agent it, contract. It wasn't like they pulled a Rocky thing where they went down to the local, your beer league and were like, sign that guy. <laughs> That'll bring some tickets in. They traded a, a yeah. decent player for the worst player anyone's ever seen, which is Again, amazing. You have to imagine that the Hurricanes GM was, they, they got the phone call and. Fenton said, "All right, I want to give you, I'll give you Nino Niederreiter, and you give me Victor Rask." And the Hurricanes GM was sitting there and said to himself, "Okay, Um, how many draft picks are we talking <laughs> here? I don't think I can swing a first rounder." And Fenton cut him off and said, "No, you're not understanding me. Straight up, hockey trade, <laughs> Benton, hockey trade." Benton's like, so I give you a first rounder, and the yeah. other guy's like, "No, we can't. Do no, that. no, no, no. I'm sorry." <laughs> No one will go for that And at this point I think I would believe any story that came out About Victor Rask like right. He's the cousin Oliver of the NHL Yeah like, we we spent a long time discussing Whether he was wearing his skates on the wrong feet he, Come out in training camp like Oh Victor Rask gave everyone headlights yeah. Like dang it how did he do that Victor Rask was using a softball bat yeah. instead of a hockey stick You know he, he knocks over something That smashes everyone's car in the parking <laughs> lot like, Sorry He's it, got a kid's phrase <laughs> Hmm. So that's closing the book on the Fenton era. We just had to go through the greatest hits right. one more time. The high point is still drafting. Philipp yeah, Johansson, and we didn't even right? get to drafting yeah, a guy that no <laughs> one's ever heard of. Oh, the most amazing story of somebody calling up the GM for the Swedish junior team and saying, "What about Philip Johansson?" And he said, "Who? <laughs> <laughs> no, tell me more. He's 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 Swedish, right?" Mm-hmm. We can't, we can't get guys from other... Oh, he's Swedish. He he yeah. is possibly... No, I, I don't know who you're talking right. about. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have any idea. Yep. Oh, it's good to flagellate ourselves one more time. But just remember, Craig Leopold will hire the next guy, too. Just remember, nothing will get any better. Yeah, the, the a lot s- of talk about Ron Hextall. The, the, the same process that got us Paul Fenton will get his replacement. That's right. The same process that got us into this mess is mm-hmm. also what's going to try to fix this mess. Right. And um, a, a goalie for the Flyers, a notably insane goalie <laughs> for the Flyers. Like, most goalies are nuts, right? Right. Like, that that's just a known thing. Having pucks shot at you for 20 years or whatever makes you a little nutty. Yeah. But didn't Ron Hextall, like, try to fight the ref or yes. throw his stick at the beer vendor Ron Hextall is well known as, he's crazy even for a goalie. Right. But the funny thing was he developed a reputation as a general manager for being utterly conservative and calm, unwilling to trade away draft picks for anything, unwilling to ever go for it. This sounds wonderful to me. (laughs) Which, it did lead to my favorite theory of all time, which is that Hextal was replaced with an imposter and the real Hextal is inside the gritty costume. (laughs) (laughs) Like... They've got sort of a they've got a calm Manchurian Hextall as the GM, and hexdoll is trapped you can tell inside gritty. Gritty just... keeps trying to fight like yep. ice girls, <laughs> and then he's like properly children. Wait, that's what Ron Hextall would do. <laughs> no, but Ron Hextall is over here. <laughs> it's a rough time for GMs as a whole, which brings us to Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, the okay. twins' brain trust, the boy geniuses. I feel. We should let everyone know that you and I had inside information about Sam Dyson. That's true. Not a lot of people around here knew something about Sam Dyson, but we did because he single-handedly ruined our fantasy season a couple years ago. Yes. Far be it from us. Talking about fantasy sports is a little like talking about bad beats in a poker game or something. But we did count have our fantasy baseball team bullpen depend on Sam Dyson who had a monstrously terrible year for Texas a couple years ago. And just lit the first two months of the season on fire for both Texas and, more importantly, our fantasy team. Yep. And this is been Sam Dyson's career. People use him in low leverage situations, games that they wouldn't mind losing or are already losing. And he pitches okay. And then they start to try to move him up. And then he blows up all over everything. And then they trade him to some other sucker who then builds him up like a boxer who gets knocked out. And then he fights a bunch of guys. No one ever heard, you know, 10, 12 times in a row. And then you build him up again. And then you put him in for the big pay-per-view fight and he gets knocked out in the first round. And everybody is happy because that's what he was supposed to do. So what you're saying is Sam Dyson is Peter McNeely. Sam Dyson is Peter McNeely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I do think it's a, uh, it's a little unfair to criticize him. It is him absolutely today. not unfair he to criticize him. He showed up in him. the third he inning didn't of the game. He didn't get anyone out. He didn't get, he didn't get a single Went out. Through. His ERA for the Twins is infinity and he, I want it left there. <laughs> He'd walked seven guys all year and he walked two today. I've got a random pack for you because I looked this up because I wanted to test my memory. So when the Twins traded for Matt Capps in 2010, mm-hmm. The way I remembered it, he came in and in his first appearance as a twin, he blew a save against the Rays. Mm-hmm. That, that didn't happen. It was his third game, but I've got another Matt Caps fact for you. That whole 2010 season when he pitched for the twins, he didn't once pitch. He, he, he didn't, got, he got several, someone out every time he pitched. No, he, <laughs> he didn't once. I bet he did. He didn't lose a single game for the twins in 2010. I remembered him being an utter disaster, but he pitched in a couple of losses, but they weren't his fault. He like came in when they were down two runs or whatever, and he blew two saves, but they won both of those games. What I remember about Caps was mostly that they traded Ramos for it. Yeah, that's it. True. It wasn't that Caps was the worst thing that ever happened. He wasn't very good. Yeah, but by it, I think the middle of the twenty eleven season, right. he was already out of the bullpen. But it, it or was, out a, of the it was also about that time that Maurer got hurt the first time, and right. they needed a catcher, and they wound up with like Drew Butera getting four hundred at bats or something. Um, That's and then, true. It and all sort of came together. That that was people's problem with Matt Caps. But again, I am willing to bet that in almost every appearance he had for the Twins, he got someone out, which true. is not true of Sam Dyson who has still gotten no one out. In a Twins uniform. Honestly, if they had pulled the, if they had brought Philip Johansson over to pitch, (laughs) he might have just walked four guys, which would have been less damaging than Sam Dyson today. He literally took, they, they brought him in, they thought, okay, we're going to use him in the lowest leverage possible save situation. You're going to come in at the start of the ninth, up three runs, Clean inning, nobody on base, and this way we won't have to use Taylor Rogers. because you'd have to be the worst reliever in the world to lose that game. Right. And he did it in four batters. <laughs> it's amazing. Two days in a row the Twins have gone into the ninth inning with a huge lead thinking, all right, the one thing we want to avoid here is using Taylor Rogers." And both times they managed to get to the point where they had to put Taylor Rogers into the game. And, and this is, it's not like they had these huge leads against the playoff team. They had the huge leads against Miami. Yep. A team that should be relegated to double A for how blatantly <laughs> they're tanking. Maybe maybe Sam Dyson could pitch for the Marlins. I did He did pitch for the Marlins for a <laughs> while. That was after the Blue Jays got rid of him because they, had, I looked it up. The Blue Jays had drafted him and brought him through the minors. And they put him into two games, and in one game he got one out and gave up four runs, and the Blue Jays released him in the offseason. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. The Blue Jays knew what was going on, but everybody else has to keep making the same mistake. Yeah. Well, here we are. Uh, The other guy they got was Sergio Romo, who's... Pitching strategy is to throw the ball so slow nobody can hit it, <laughs> I, I mean, which I, I like. I, I like that strategy. I, I like the big Frisbee slider. It makes yeah. people swing like it's a wiffle ball or something, and it's kind of fun. Did you see the clip of, I want to say, an Orioles outfielder? I've forgotten his name, but he came into a game, I think in a save situation. It was like the 16th inning, and his strategy of pitching is literally to just throw 50-mile-an-hour balls, sort of on a looping line. A little bit like slow pitch softball mm-hmm. and see if you can get major leaguers to hit it. And they couldn't. Well, in the it was, 16th inning, they could. <laughs> well, die. and one of them was Albert Pujol, so it wasn't like playing against the varsity. But, and I, I just I say that because I'm afraid that Fulvier Levine is listening and they're like, let's get that guy for our late inning relief. <laughs> Guys, we're past the trade in. Uh, we can't get it. Get him. Uh-huh. Get him out here. <laughs> Who can we find that can throw 42 miles an hour, right? I don't know. I thought it was fun. I think. I think there's space in the world for somebody throwing 43 on a regular basis. No, that's not true. A slow baller, come on. There's <laughs> got to be. This is the new. This is the new area to exploit. This is the new Moneyball, Dave. I pitchers who throw 40. I sure. Yep. Sure. That's entirely all possible. EFIS all the time. Nothing but Ephis. Besides Sam Dyson, they've got Romo, and they made no other trade moves. That's true. They did not get any starting pitching. This does bring up my next question. Are you a proponent of going for it or not? There's a lot of talk about around trade deadlines and around the middle of the season about this team deserves to go for it or this team needs to go for it or the window is open, they need to go for it now rather than waiting. And again, I I have been burned by the number of years where Craig Leopold was standing on Chuck Fletcher's throat screaming about going for it, and Fletcher traded away 49 draft picks for somebody who scored two goals down the stretch, Matt Molson or whoever I, else they got. I would imagine the Wild have pretty much cured everybody of wanting to go for it. Right. Because, again, I already said it once, that's what gets you parisian and That's true. But did you want the Twins to go for it? I, they're I, not going to hit three home, 300 home runs every year. I, I mean, maybe with the new baseball, they will hit 300 homers every th- year. But. That's sort of the problem. I think the Twins, we all, going into the season, we expected the Twins to be about an 80-win team. Mm-hmm. It turned out what they are is an 80-win team that hits a lot of fly balls, playing in a season where the ball is juiced. Mm-hmm. This is not a sustainable strategy. And in, indeed... As soon as Major League Baseball fixes the ball, they'll go right back to having 80 wins. What if they don't fix the ball, though? Then Major can't. League Baseball is not good at things. What if they that's, try to fix the ball and make it even bouncier? That's perhaps true, but it's also true that over the last two months, they're very slightly above 500. Right. It, it's not as if the Twins are a juggernaut that just needed some pitching to put them across the line. The Twins are a mediocre team that all got hot at once in May. It was a little hard to look at the starting pitcher trades and feel like the Twins missed out somehow because the Blue Jays, for some reason, pulled the trigger on Stroman way before anybody thought they would. The Mets were asking for the entire world for Syndergaard, and Zach Greinke wasn't going to pitch in Minnesota. As far as I can tell, the Jays... Just were trolling Marcus Stroman. Like they listened to him. He said a bunch of times, like, "Wouldn't it be cool to go to New York?" I'd like to go to New York. I'm a, I'm in new, you know, he's from Long Island. Yep. Like I want to be in New York. And the Jays like nodded and said, "Sure, of oh. course, absolutely, we're going to trade you to New York." And then they traded him to the Mets.
1: You and want to Stroman go to new York was Like, no, that's didn't
0: you? what I mean. That's not what I meant. And the Jays are like, "Ha, gotcha." <laughs> His agent calls him up. Congratulations, you traded to New York. Mm-hmm. Finally, I've always wanted to play in pinstripes. Uh, I'm not sure you know yeah, what I mean. The Mets, uh, they used to wear pinstripes the back in other, the 80s. The, the part up on the other side. Not quite the same. It's almost the same. It's a New York baseball team. Well, I for sure the Mets zagged when everyone else thought they would zig. <laughs> Boy, that I'm sure that their fans will be delighted by that when they miss yeah. the wild card. It's, it's, the, it's the kind of zagging where you have two and three at the blackjack table, and you're like, "I'm staying." Yeah, no I'm, one saw this coming. Here we go. I'm living in the future. Where the blackjack dealer is trying to convince you to do something <laughs> else. I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> That's always a good sign when the dealer is explaining the rules yes. of blackjack. Today. Do you know? Do you know what you're trying to get R- to? Right now, the Mets are at some somewhere getting the rules. Like <laughs> they're like, oh, I thought it was just to get as many cards as you could. First Hit one, to, first one to seven wins, right? No, that's that's not it at all. I, all I, right, so I, I don't right. think I actually got your answer. Going for it, not going for it uh I wouldn't go for it with this team which is not very good and replacing the entire pitching staff is not possible. Right. It's it's a little hard to say well we need one starter. What they need is about three starters at this point. Yes. But the the plus side to not going for it is that when they miss the playoffs it means we don't have to watch this bullpen try to lock down a lead in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a therapy thing. It's self-help. Self-care. Yes. Uh-huh.
1: So, but, like, what
0: you're saying is you're hoping the Twins miss the playoffs. Well, the Twins, the Twins are going to miss the playoffs. I, whether, whether I'm hoping for it isn't really. <laughs> so relevant. you don't have to watch Sam Dyson pitching he, in the Yankees. We we never have to watch that. Like imagine how far if Giancarlo Stanton will yeah, hit the ball off. Sam if Dyson. this team got to the playoffs, like if they got what they would need to do in the playoffs is after six inning, just forfeit. <laughs> just be like, yeah, okay. That, that was fun. We were winning. Yeah. It was yeah, fun. yeah. We we want we proved that we could compete with you guys anyway. We're we're gonna head home, but we'll see you tomorrow. Yep. The whole team got measles. Mm-hmm. We're all sick. Yeah. We're going home. We Yeah, we, we lost all the bats. <laughs> Sorry. All our bats Sorry. are gone. We're gonna go find them and come back tomorrow. <laughs> In the dugout it's just a burning pile of bats. <laughs> why did you guys send the bats on fire? No, so, no, no, no those no, are no, bats. They, they, that was fire they, spo- they spontaneously combusted. It was fine. We'll be back tomorrow. Victor Ask is like, sorry. Whoopsie. <laughs>
1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Alright, that's a great segue into what we really want to talk about, which is Gopher Football. It's the annual Gopher Football preview. Dave is here to talk Gopher Football with us and tell us who is on the Gopher Football <laughs> team. Our annual problem, where we look and say, now, is Assad Abdul Khaliq still, is he a senior this year? I think he's a senior. He was a senior for a number of years. How is Ricky admit... Foggy looking this year? Is I think we have covered this in every go for football preview. Isn't Ricky Foggy coach, coaching in the West Metro? Yes, possibly he was at some point, and we've covered that possibly every single football preview. Every we've year, ever we mention Ricky Foggy and We talk saved. about Ricky Foggy and where See he might be coaching. <laughs> One of these years, we should really look it up. Wade, help us out. I, uh, Wade has looked it up. <laughs> Don't you put that on Wade. <laughs> Poor Just Wade, looked it up, and you didn't remember. Oh, we're the Victor Rask of asking for Wade to (laughs) help us. Um, So, are the Gophers going to win the national championship or just the Big Ten championship? No, (laughs) no, they're not. I think there's a certain amount of irrational exuberance happening with Gopher football locally. I would say that's definitely true of me. And it's because the way the season finished last year... People forgot how the season got to that point. I don't want to think about anything that happened before that Wisconsin game. They and just murdered him, David. I, I, I It was agree. just smacking Wisconsin in the face in a way that hasn't happened in a millennia. It, it helped that Wisconsin, who people were had as sort of a trendy playoff pick, instead went 7-5 and five last year. Yeah, we need to talk more about that. that. Let's talk about how embarrassing that game against Wisconsin was. Let's talk about Minnesota rolling over them the entire game. I, I have to inject the fact that I think we got outgained by Wisconsin. I don't, game. Dave. This is not <laughs> why you're here. We're here to talk about yes, how Tanner Morgan it, it is, it is the governor of Wisconsin. It is absolutely why I'm here. <laughs> Angry negative facts. That's why you had me... Curse your angry negative facts. You sent me a text that just said, angry negative facts tonight, question mark, and now I'm here. Dave showed up three minutes later, (laughs) and he's got a two-yard-long computer printout on the old computer paper with the holes on the side. Just unfurled it like a scroll. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, let us remember how last season actually went. They started the year with three non-conference wins, including... Possibly the best gopher game I've ever been to against Fresno State. That game was awesome. A fantastic fantastic game. Then Everyone got hurt. Everyone got hurt in that game or similar Mm -hmm. games. Then they lost four in a row, including giving up several thousand yards to Maryland. Didn't they lose to Maryland and Illinois back-to-back or something like that? Those were spread out. They were spread out. It was bad. They lost four in a row. Then they beat Indiana in a game that definitely felt like a loss. Because they were playing Indiana football? Well, because they were up by 22 late in the third quarter, had the ball, were going in for a touchdown, and then instead fumbled and blew that entire lead in 10 minutes of game time. (laughs) Uh, I've I've been to a number of Minnesota-Indiana football games, and I've watched more. And I've never once not felt sad about how my life was going <laughs> watching Minnesota and Indiana but play football in in ten minutes. That is a collapse that even Glenn Mason never pulled. That's off. true. And that is that is a collapse. That is, but as collapsy as they are. As you pointed out, they were playing Indiana, so naturally they then threw a seventy-eight yard touchdown pass <laughs> with a minute and a half left and won the game. <laughs> with, ah. Which again is what was <sighs> what you get by playing Indiana the national the nation's chaos team it's like you watch minnesota and indiana playing it's like being roped into somehow you ended up watching a cockfight and yes. you're just mm-hmm. i i'm not oh. i'm not okay with this this is not oh. fun how did i get here yeah. why am i watching this uh-huh. why why is michael vick fighting dogs over <laughs> here why why is this happening how did my life get to this point yes. where i'm watching this game and not only watching but utterly beside myself i'm so angry about how things are going right and and so then the week after that having now got back to 500 as you pointed out they gave up 650 yards to illinois and lost by a bunch what a year the worst team anyone could imagine it was like the same team was at the same time if you took all of the good games they played mm-hmm. they were the second best team in the big 10 and if you took the other games that i didn't just count they were the worst Division One football team in the country. Yes, I, I mean if you, as as somebody pointed out, uh, Bill Connolly, who now at ESPN does a stat for games called win expectancy. Right. Like if you if you played this way, you'd expect, or it's, no, it's called percentile performance. Like if you played this way, you'd ex, you know, this is comparable to the other performances. If you could, explain that a little more, so, I'm, I'm so a little confused. You, you know, looking at their stats and their per play numbers, whatever, like comparable to all the games everyone played, this is the percentile you're in right there. So, so this was if, this game was the way the Gophers played in this game was yeah. in the 70th percentile for all college right. football games right. played this year. Yeah, okay. and, and you can tell like. You know how good this team is based on how good you're playing every week. Like if they're in the 97th percentile every week, yeah, they're playing fantastic. And you know Alabama, like you said, is always 90 right. something percentile. <clears throat> okay, so if you split up the games by the six best games and the six worst games by that, right, and average it out, like in the six best games, they were almost as good as Georgia. Okay, like they were a legit top 20 team in those games. Right. In the worst six games, they were almost as bad as Connecticut, who was the worst team anyone's ever seen last <laughs> was year. Was Connecticut zero and twelve last year? They were one and eleven, but I think the one was against a very bad one. A team <laughs> it was they just Philip Joy they, and they, Victor Ass. They, they give they gave up, you know, forty eight points a game or something, and six hundred yards. They, they were that does sound bad. Significantly worse than the Gophers were in. Tim Brewster's first year. That's how bad they were. That's bad. Mm-hmm. That's extremely bad. So, But that was the same team. And it was mixed up. Like, those six good games included, like, in, in that four-game losing streak, they had a pretty creditable loss to Iowa. They had a very creditable loss at Ohio State where they out rushed them by, like, two to one. And, and still managed to lose. It, you know, they, they turned it over three times and missed a couple of field goals. But they legitimately hung with a top-five team. Right. And then they would turn around and lose to Illinois by 700. They gave up 380 rushing yards to Nebraska the next week, and then they <laughs> was turned... Nebraska terrible last yeah, year. Yeah, Nebraska was horrible last year. They were 0 and six. I they Broncos started 0 and six, and I think they finished four and eight or five and seven. And that is enough for Nebraska fans to be fairly certain they're going to win the national title this year. <laughs> one, one of the one of the best parts of being aware of college football nationally is how just fired up nebraska fans get every year like people look at the numbers and say they're going to be pretty mediocre and nebraska fans react with but wink wink they're going to be pretty mediocre huh so what you mean is they're going to win three national championships this year right wink like I, i'm pretty sure thanks to husker fans betting it up nebraska has better odds to win the national title than like wisconsin this year <laughs> I like I like that kind of delusion. Yeah, I I enjoy that about Nebraska Mm -hmm. fans. Good for them. They had a kid named Tanner Lee playing quarterback a couple years ago who transferred to for Tulane, and people who'd actually seen him play were like, "This kid's not any good." And Nebraska fans basically thought he was going to win the Heisman. Did he? No, he was not any good. Oh, It, it turned out that people actually watching him play it was a better indicator than oh, Nebraska fans being excited oh that's interesting so very yeah, interesting you have to appreciate that sort of wholesome delusion all right but now- but anyway so at this point you know as noted the Gophers are below 500 and coming apart PJ Flex about to get fired and then they turned around and they stomped the crap out of Purdue who was pretty good last year and then they, they had a close but creditable loss to Northwestern who won the division title. And then they beat Wisconsin by three touchdowns. That was and awesome. then they beat Georgia tech by three touchdowns in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Now part of that is explainable by teams who have quit playing, especially Georgia tech, who I think, hey, they were just happy. They're not going to get yelled at by the sourest man in America, <laughs> Paul Johnson. And, and that was the thing like Georgia tech, They hadn't quit on the year because there was nothing else to achieve. They quit on the year partly because they were in Detroit the day after Christmas playing a bowl game. And also partly because, as far as anyone can tell, Paul Johnson only coached last year so he could embarrass Brian Van Gorder, who was Louisville's defensive coordinator. (laughs) So they put up, I think, 65 on Louisville. And then after that, they were just done for the year. Why does Paul Johnson hate Brian Van Gorder? I can't remember whether it was because Van Gorder was a coach for him and he didn't like him or... Did something in some this, game, or even for us, this is a pretty niche discussion. <laughs> yeah, but but again, because Paul Johnson is just the sourest man, he, is. he may have stayed around an extra year just for one more chance to embarrass. He is a he's a sour, angry man. But that's not why we brought you here. Dave. <laughs> we brought you here to talk <laughs> to, about who to talk about is John, and Budak, who is not on the Gopher football team this year. Um, so PJ Fleck is still the coach. PJ Fleck is still the coach. Mm -hmm. I have not heard what the slogans will be this year, but I I imagine they will be nonsensical. but guarantee you they're going to be awesome. Um, they have kept both their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator from the last four games. (laughs) The the one that they, they hired and everything immediately got better. Did they fire Rob Smith or hire Did Rob they Smith? Extremely fired Rob Smith. Who's their coordinator now? Uh, his name is Joe Rossi. I want to say. I might. That have sounds that right. Up. It sounds like a defensive coordinator. I name. remember him sounding like he was yeah, extremely Italian. So, but but yeah, right. when when they swapped him in, they imme- you know he, everything immediately got better on defense, which makes me wonder. Why it was so different. Like it was the same thing. I feel like we talked about this last year. I don't know if they were trying to get Smith fired or they're like gaslighting Rob Smith is holding up his hands to the defensive meetings. Guys, tackling hurts. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. It hurts a lot. I want to, I'm here to tell you people that I have tackled people and it hurts a lot. Mm -hmm. So just stay safe out there. So, but it's important to remember that. This is the same thing that happened to Rob Smith when he was the defensive coordinator uh-huh. at Arkansas, and Flex still hired him. We talk about we talk about guys who will never work again. Rob Smith is in that. You'd think in that so, category. but that was also true after he got fired at Arkansas, and we still hired him. Okay, that's fair. Now, wasn't the Gophers' offensive coordinator going to go be someone else's offensive uh, coordinator? Apparently, he temporarily accepted the job at West Virginia. And then changed his mind, like, the next day. And then he pulled up Google Maps and was like, oh, Morgantown? <laughs> that can't be right. Wait, West is Virginia? That a, is that a real town? But that's nothing but mountains. <laughs> I don't want to live Why? in the mountains. <laughs> Wait a second. I thought this was the real Virginia. <laughs> the one with the coastline. I was going someplace with an ocean. Get me P.J. Fleck. <laughs> but, which, it surprised me because I don't think of Kirk Shiraka as, like... A stunning offensive mind. He he mostly seems to be fine with runs up the middle, which I'm okay with, but (laughs) it it mostly seems to be a lot of handing off to the middle and a lot of throwing to Tyler Johnson. And all somebody grew up watching football in the 1980s. I appreciate that. Uh I want a flanker in a three point stance, but, but nothing, nothing about that made me think like, Oh man, he's really going to be in demand nationally. (laughs) True, but hey, you, uh, they probably just watched that Wisconsin game. Yes. I think as long Pound. as you have an offense. As Dave, long as you let's have an talk about how the Gophers are going to win the National four, Championship. Four turnovers. I'm so excited defense. about that Wisconsin game. Just as He's a great offensive coordinator as long as the other team is starting Alex Hornibrook, <laughs> which is Miami this year. So, good Ooh. luck, Miami. All right. Zach Anikstad or Tanner Morgan? Make an argument. Uh Yes, probably it will be one of those two. (laughs) Well, one of those two will play quarterback for the Gophers in the first game this year. It does occur to me that in some situations this might be a quarterback controversy, right? But in order for it to be a controversy, someone has to have a strong opinion about one or the other, and that is not true of Zach and. But they are definitely different people. We are certainly are different people. That Fresno State game, I remember being. Very high on Zach Anikstad after that. Because he just ran around like a nutcase and then completed a pass a couple times. Right. Well, uh, a lot he kept trying that, and a lot of them went to the other team. Okay, and also, well, he, also he hurt his ankle. Excite, <laughs> that doesn't excite me quite so yeah, much. Yeah. So, they put in Tanner Morgan, who was the same amount of nothing. And really, the hope for both of those guys is maybe they won't have to throw it too much. Yeah, but we're we're looking at... In living memory, when Chris Streveler was the backup quarterback, a guy who was so good at quarterback that he once completed one pass in an entire game and then later transferred to become a tight end at a 1AA school the next year. No, he was a quarterback. He was an All-American. He was? Yeah. I thought he was a tight end. No, he, he played quarterback. And Chris I Streveler, assumed, I am sorry. I assume let him have, run a lot, but he was like a, a 1AA All-American. At I have Dakota. done a terrible thing about your career. He was at South Dakota. I thought he yes. was at SDSU. Uh, Speaking of SDSU, the Gophers Open was with, with SDSU. Right, and I, I want to be clear. They're going to lose to SDSU. Okay, your theory is that the Gophers are going to lose the first three games they play this year. Uh, I think it's possible. South Dakota State. Oh, wait, are we not going through the lineup anymore? We're just transitioning? We're going to gonna the go schedule? to the schedule, and then we're going to bounce back <clears> in the lineup. Okay. Um, I like how you think I have a plan for this. <laughs> I don't know why I would think that. Yes. Thought, what in I your guess experience maybe, of the previous maybe, 273 episodes, maybe in my including some you've been on? Yeah, maybe in my mind I felt like maybe that Brandon's the problem. That Brandon, <laughs> he's the one that's that, not doing any yeah. prep, or that when in reality he's the only one doing any prep. Mm-hmm. Yep, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry, Brandon. I've, <laughs> I've slandered you more yeah. more so than Here anyone. Here we are. If the truth comes out, Brandon's the glue that keeps this podcast together. <laughs> anyway, yes, this the schedule starts with. Uh, South Dakota State uh, at Fresno State and then home with Georgia Southern, which to me strikes me as the highest downside, lowest upside combo that you could possibly find. Right. Because you start with the number three team in 1AA. Really? A a local team. How come we can never play a terrible 1AA team? Because we keep playing all the teams from around here that are all good Uh. because we're terrible and all the players go to those places instead. (laughs) We're the we're the only one one A school here and people are like, "Yeah, I'm not playing there." Like we yeah. try to recruit guys as walk-ons and people are like, "Nah, I don't want to." Maybe we can just take St. Thomas's players. Yeah, I don't think we have the budget for we that. We can't afford them." Um, that's right, take that St. Thomas. Oh. <laughs> uh. It's going to be so embarrassing the first time we lose to St. Shut Davis. up, Dave. On the just other hand, you're we, out. we've lost to NDSU and South Dakota at this point, and only the name thing has kept us from yeah. losing to North Dakota. Again, what else so. can go wrong? Yeah. When, when do we get to be the ones to lose? We'll just lose to the entire Missouri Valley at some point. Uh, podcast listeners can't see this, but I have my head <laughs> in my hands, and I'm – Losing my will to continue this podcast. So, so anyway, you're starting 0-1 there. Then you're okay. going You're going to Fresno State, who won the Mountain West last year. Did they win the Mountain West? They did win the Man, Mountain West. Man, that win over Fresno is looking better and better oh. last year. So that's tough. That's That's a tough ask And then right you there. come home to play Georgia Southern, who is an option team. I hate option teams. Uh, which, yeah, Georgia Southern, although it's a couple of coaches ago, but Georgia Southern was the team about whom at one point when Nick Saban was being complimented on his defense said something along the lines of, and forgive the swear, but I am quoting here. You guys talk about our defense, but Georgia Southern went through us like shit through a tin horn. What does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything, but again, a tin Nick Sab- horn. Nick Saban is from West Virginia. <laughs> no wonder Shiroko is like, Nope, not getting any part of They got tin horns there. <laughs> Apparently, they don't have toilet facilities, but they got all the tin horns you can find. So, basically, it's like playing a service academy or really like always playing an option team. It seems unfair that the other team, when you're playing an option team, is allowed to have only one play that they practice all the time. They should have to... Be confused. Here I'm thinking about the Jed Fish era of gopher <laughs> football. When, when they didn't practice any of the plays. Yeah, they just practiced lining up and they got six illegal procedure penalties every game because the important thing was to have a complex set of formations from which the gophers could run no successful plays. I, I, I do appreciate how these previews inevitably just turn It's into just complaining s- about the slan- past. Slandering people who haven't been coaches for <laughs> a decade. People are listening to this podcast <laughs> are going... Who was that? Did he just. That's right. He was the offensive coordinator for a single year, and the grudge is still strong. Did he just mention the Gophers linebackers coach from 1974? How did he even know that? He, was he wasn't really... even alive. What happened? Why is he so angry about this? All, All right. right. But, so, but our, we've reached our target market, which is people over 50 who right. are still mad about everything. That's right. So our relatives and no one else. <laughs> Um, so they're going to lose to Georgia Southern. They do have, I feel like they have a fairly favorable Big Ten schedule. So they, they obviously play the whole West. I believe they've got Wisconsin at home. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin is at home. They, they have to go to Iowa. I think they have Nebraska at home too. I believe Nebraska. Yes. Nebraska is at home as well. They go to Purdue and Iowa. Not that a half empty TCF Bank Stadium is exactly a fortress, but right. Good seats still available. They're That's not cutting right. ticket prices. That's right. Um, no, they're cutting a few ticket prices. Yeah, they, the, they they cut the prices for the sections where you can't see the scoreboard. Right. If the seat is actually outside the confines right. of the stadium, right, it's half off is, and that, that qualifies as slashing ticket prices. Ooh. Which I, I enjoy that press release because you can tell the Star Tribune has just just kind of repeats the press release on the grounds of. We know it's not true but we believe that you're smart enough to also realize this isn't true and we don't so, want to fight them on it so we can print this blatant lie in in hopes that we can you know we won't get in a slap fight with the university but we all know that the thing we have published is not true <laughs> the beat right is just out there going mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to fight the SID on this one right we're just gonna let it go we'll just forget it ever happened and go on to the next one mm-hmm Yep, that happened. All right, yeah. Uh, so that's I can't. I, I have no idea who else they have at home, but the West is not great. The, the West is the West is not bad. Besides Illinois, who is terrible, and as we noted last year, that has no bearing on who will win the game between the Gophers <laughs> and Illinois. Yes, um, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Hans, but they're going to be terrible again this year. But I they think might they be the Penn Gofers. State from the east Yeah, they have Penn State, Rutgers, and Maryland. You could do worse than that. Yes. For an Eastern and, and team. Penn State is at home. They go to Rutgers. I assume they will lose that game because Rutgers has won, I think, seven big ten games ever, and number eight seems like a perfect time. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be forty two to w- ten. Right. But they won't they'll only lose that game if they're having a good season. Right. So it'll be plus. Like if they're eight and oh or whatever when they go to Rutgers, they'll lose the game, but then they'll be eight and one and that'll be fun. Um <laughs> it's still good. Mm-hmm. I'm still happy, it's still fun. <laughs> why, so why am yeah. I crying? Um, so yeah, they, they have, this is a year where they have five conference home games. The crossover schedule is not terrible. And and really they are, I think they're only underdogs in three games right now. Um, and they're not that far underdogs. Right. But the flip side is they're not favored by that much in the other games either. Sure. So what you're saying is they're the betting favorites at this point. To have a nine and three season. If I don't think that's the way that works, but <laughs> I, I would say I think the projection is you know, seven or eight wins. Really, it's I think before you're going to make any projections, you, would you have, have to look at you go You would have to figure out whether they're going to be as incredibly inconsistent as they were last year. And I would suggest that inconsistency is slightly because they were a young team. And more evidence of they have a coach that's great at motivational speeches but terrible at actually coaching football. Yeah, but he runs down the sideline like no that's other coach true. in the country. So he gets everyone all fired up for some years. I'm fired up just thinking about but it. But the other ones, you know, the I assume like the coordinator calls down on the head says, like, hey coach, they're really blitzing us off the left side. What do you think? And Flex says, You gotta change your how. And the coordinator says, that doesn't mean anything, coach. And I need some actual thoughts here. Like, do we keep an extra guy in the block? And, you know. You got to change your how. You got to change that's your That's exactly house. what he meant. I, I kind of, I imagine the coaching staff just gives him a headset that's not connected to anything <laughs> now. He's just running around out there uh-huh. screaming stuff. Yeah. It. Like, and, you know, maybe maybe it's connected to, like, a tape player that's just playing people yelling random stuff. It's just playing the rouser over Yeah, and over. It's, it's playing the rouser or, like, Winston Churchill speeches or something. <laughs> so he's just fired up the whole game. Hey, but... man, I'm fired up just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm enjoying the P.J. Fleck era. It's something, but th- this is... Fun. Fun is what it is. If, if you're P.J. Fleck, you know, you're going to stay here... The plan is to stay three or four years and then move on before the, like Harold Hill. You know, you gotta move on before the mob gets you. Um, conservatory class of odd five. (laughs) Uh, you, you need, this is the year that something has to happen in order for you to get a better job and not join the graveyard of coaches who were, who got fired and stayed fired. But to do that, they have, potential they do have potential but they also have the potential to be bad and get fired get you fired and stay fired they've got guys back whose names i recognize shannon brooks is back maybe probably and, he's almost definitely 100 percent. I, I believe his knee is still hurt and it'll be like last year when he came in ran great then fumbled a bunch of times and hurt his knee that have got that'll... Shannon Brooks' backup, whose name I've forgotten. Rodney Williams? No, no, right. no, Rodney Williams played for the basketball team and dunked a lot and had no other skills. <laughs> that can't be right. You, the, you, you've got Shannon Rodney's Brooks confused. Is. No, Rodney Smith. Rodney Smith? Yes. The Wiley veteran who's now in his ninth year. <laughs> Rodney mm-hmm. Smith, yeah, with several, 29 years old, somehow has three repaired knees. Coming into his prime. Uh-huh. Yep, finally really hitting his stride. That third that third knee repair is really the one that fixes this thing. They also, after those guys both got hurt, they had to start two freshmen who were not ready and actually improved over the course of a year. So we've um, got four good running backs. Guys, we've got doing? 11 running backs. Four good running backs. <laughs> um, in, Single wing. Here we go. Option for us. I, uh, Bring it on, Georgia Southern. Um We have
1: two, five. five
0: guys who started a game before on the offensive line. Okay, so we've got five returning starters on the offensive line. They've got the guys four returning starters at running back. They've got two returning starters at quarterback. How am I not supposed to be excited <laughs> about this game? The, the, the line is a nice combination of... They have 22 returning starters just on offense. The, the line has a nice combo of dudes from Minnesota... And extraordinarily beefy men who are not from Minnesota, which I appreciate. (laughs) Yeah, but I like the beefy guys from nowhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think. Didn't they have a guy who was like. The guy from Marshall isn't he like six nine four fifty or something? No, like you're that? thinking of Daniel Falalele, who is not from Marshall. Also, oh. It could be. I mean, there might be Samoans in Marshall, but I have no idea. He he was uh he was a teammate of Zach Anixtads at that Ing Academy in Florida. Or All whatever. right, and, and they recruited him because he blotted out the sun. Yes, Yeah, they recruit. He's legitimately, I think, six nine and four hundred pounds. <laughs> he's that's en- a big fella enormous and they put him in as a first year guy like well we'll see what he can do and it turns out that even if you're inexperienced if you're six foot nine and four hundred you're pretty good yeah that's a great idea uh-huh. so they've got him they've got a dude named curtis dunlop who i think we're on 350 they've got place andrews who is i believe very tall and also from marshall that's right Blake uh Blake andrews that's yeah see. you've got uh sam schluter who i think is from owatana that sounds right. And man. he also sounds like a quarterback from the 90s. And I think uh, Connor Olson, who I'm pretty sure is one of the Matamidi Olsons. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many Olsons. I, I can't remember whether he was like Ed and Tommy Olson's brother or cousin or nephew or Remember son. the Toe Nets. Yes, there they so were all out of them. order. Like mm-hmm. there was a senior and a junior and a freshman, and man, the, the, was 22, the-, and the mm-hmm. freshman was twenty two and the freshman was twenty eight. And man, those were the days. It was like two of them the it the dynasty. It was like two of them had been in the army or something, yeah. and no one knew how. The Olson football dynasty. Yes. So, yeah, the, the line should be good. They legit, the line should be good. The they, running backs are good. They legitimately might have the best receiving core in the Big Ten. Right. I, and that is not based on any research of mine I just think the receiving core is really good um, But again The quarterbacks both look like they're throwing sofa cushions that, so. that, 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 They're returning starters So hopefully they... we throw a lot of like Short swing passes oh, And goodness. screens and... We've talked about this for a little while and Now I'm not only convinced The Gophers are going to win this big head title <laughs> I'm ready for three in a row again, New dynasty Just remember watching them last year I, I know you have children, and so you didn't get to watch as much college football <laughs> as you like. But again, it's the, just like having children—I'm erasing all the bad things in my memory and just remembering the adorable yes, and, things. And that is, it was adorable when Zach Anix's rolled randomly toward the sideline and just flung one up that Tyler Johnson caught. It's amazing. It was less adorable every time he threw a pass, and you said, "I don't remember well, any of that." You know, Tanner Morgan especially avoided some interceptions by throwing the ball too slow. <laughs> like people broke on the ball, and then he just kind of threw a, a change up out there. We're back to my Ephus idea. Yeah, yeah. They, and they just kind Nothing of. Nothing but EFIS. They broke past it and landed in the receiver's hands. What a great strategy. They mm-hmm. never saw it coming. Yeah, no one saw it coming. They're divergent thinkers, Dave. I assume Seth, that's important. They, I think they still have Seth Green to run the Wildcat slash <laughs> we're just going to slam it into the line. Well, nobody could see it coming. That was the important mm-hmm. part about Seth Green. Whenever they put him into the game, mm-hmm. they definitely weren't going to run Seth Green into the middle of the line. But but it, they usually it was after one of those drives where they just handed off 12 times up the middle. And the other team was so tired they couldn't do anything about it which I appreciate a lot. <laughs> Dave enjoys the <laughs> the grader I, I, graders I, I do enjoy a smashy drive. All right, let's talk defense here sure. before this podcast ends. Antoine Winfield is back, and yes. as far as I'm concerned, everything's going to be fine because he made the best play in for football history in that aforementioned that, game. That's true, Texas he game. did. And, yeah, Winfield's back. I think both starting corners are back. Uh, some of the linebackers in line are back, which – is both good and bad because those are the people who gave up 9 million yards. That was Illinois. when Rob Smith was telling him not to get hurt out there. I'm, Joe Rossi tells him to tackle the other team. But what I can say for sure is that several of them are from Minnesota. Perfect. Uh, Tommy Barber. As I a parochial nitwit. Somehow everything I want. Somehow still Marion Barber's little brother. Oh, my goodness. Mrs. Barber is the saint. Those <laughs> I, children are like 45 years yeah, apart. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Marion qualifies for social security now. <laughs> and I mean, Marion Barber the third, Marion Barber Jr. Marion Barber Jr. obviously is, does, yeah. but, um, Mary Barber the third is on his 12th year of his NFL pension. Yes. He, I mean, he's been out of the league for a few years and his little brother is still playing linebacker. That's delightful. Um, we got the Olson dynasty. We got the. Barber Dynasty. I assume there's some Toarnette kids coming through here pretty mm-hmm. soon. I, I think we we've, we've spoken about this before, more in the context of hockey and basketball, but I think it's also true for football. If we lost every game, but everybody was some like a former Gophers kid or that's younger right, brother. Or I would be thrilled. I, it would be fantastic as far as I'm concerned because I am from Minnesota and therefore am a pure parochial nitwit. Yep, but it's important. Um, but yes, they have a few guys back. The, it seems like, it uh, may not be true of Joe Rossi, but they like to rotate about 14 defensive linemen, so which ones are back is less important. Right. Same with the linebackers. The secondary, I don't think they like to rotate it much, because, but they have to because everyone gets hurt every year in the Maybe secondary. Maybe they won't get hurt this year. It's entirely possible. So, so far what you've told me is the offense is amazing, the defense is amazing.
1: That Are is our specialists emph- terrible?
0: That is emphatically not what I That's told That's exactly you. what you said. <laughs> it's like talking <laughs> politics. <laughs> I'm glad that you agree that I'm right about everything, Dave. Um... Uh, they they have a new kicker. Emmett Carpenter finally graduated. Um, Another 14th year senior yes, last year. Yes, right. Um, and he was super good, so that'll be unfortunate. I will be disappointed when someone starts missing key field goals again. But you I, said Emmett Carpenter missed a bunch of field goals against... He, he missed two against Ohio State, and it was weird, weird because he never missed anything. How dare he? It, it, was, it was like seeing an unscheduled solar eclipse. Man, that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It, it's... So what you're saying is the kicking game is going to be... The Achilles heel of the Gophers this year. No, I think the Gophers are going to be the Achilles heel of the Gophers. <laughs> the, the, the the accumulated weight of the history the, of the, Minnesota the, Golden the Gophers. The incredible football. weird inconsistencies, the ability to pull defeats out of the jaws of victory, Um, the collapses, the strange no-shows. PGA Flex is going to change all that, yeah, man. It, it is entirely possible. I, I, I'm not... It is not impossible for them to finally have the season, mm-hmm. the one we haven't had for... 53 seasons now um, But it's also Entirely possible that they go 4 and 8 again You know why they haven't had that season For 50 some years? Because they didn't change Their howl, Is that what you about to say? Because they didn't row the boat They weren't all in the boat, Dave Grab an oar, I we're I feel, all in this I, together I feel like there were a lot of people in the boat And the because, boat usually hit, <laughs> hit a rock and overturned <laughs> Yeah Because they didn't change the howl <laughs> That's right, that's correct, Dave <laughs> I'm glad that you finally understand <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. no, well, but I've they, never been more positive about go for football. But they, it's entirely possible that they will have a good or bad season. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it's entirely possible that they will play football games. This yes, long. they will get fresh air and exercise. <laughs> good. Everybody needs to be yeah. outside. Uh, I feel like you usually make me pick a record. Oh, well, I think I usually do. All yeah. right, let's hear and you. Right. Last year I picked two and ten, and I looked like I was going to be pretty close to right for a lot of the year. <laughs> I, um, I obviously am going for twelve and zero this year. Right, you thirteen ah. and zero with the ten. I mean, thirteen and one. They'll probably lose either the Big Ten championship game or the national championship game. I, I, I don't know how to. Oh feel wait, there's two that, national championship games now. Like, in most contexts. You get this reputation as you personally yes. get this reputation for being like a cynical, pessimistic, a grouch, yes. sour dingus. But you put you in a room with me, and you have to slide to the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> I to, just get so to, excited to, to balance out what apparently is my horrible, horrible personality. <laughs> I don't. The think more we're... the more worried you get about how they're going to do, the more excited I get. <laughs> so on balance, we have so you think they're gonna go twelve and oh mm-hmm. I think they're gonna go four and eight, okay. so that means they're gonna go eight and four, eight and four is the average <laughs> That's the average pick of the barththa mm-hmm. It sounds like I'm grasping it, attempting to be positive and failing, but they they should be competitive against all these teams mm-hmm. there, There's nobody on the schedule that makes you think well they're gonna get blown out now they're still gonna get blown out a couple of times because. Things are random, and the ball is pointed And we're picking those things to happen against Rutgers right. and Georgia Southern. <laughs> yes. So yeah, they're going to be uh, they're going to go eleven and one, but the one loss will be to South Dakota State. Would you say that they're going to start zero and three and finish nine and three with a perfect Big Ten season? <laughs> that would that could only happen to us. <laughs> but I, I, you know, the Big Ten West, it should be fun. A lot of these teams have improved. It could be a good race. And it doesn't matter at all because it's for the right to get wiped out by Ohio State or Michigan. Boo, indeed, boo. All right, got anything else? Um, do we want to talk about soccer? They don't let you talk about soccer whenever. No, we're in. already at the hour and ten minute mark, and I have to go feed a child. <laughs> that that's probably wise. But I mean, can you throw out any hot United takes? I hot, hope they keep winning. They've hot, been winning a lot lately. Hot, hot predictions for the Premier League or the Bundesliga or La Liga or. Ooh. Uh, let's do the Leon. let's do this when those seasons start next week. We'll do a Dave and John soccer podcast yeah. at Lower, L- Lower L- no League start, Soccer starts this weekend. Here we folks. go. MLS is hitting the playoff race, and I'm making finger quotes when I say <laughs> How that. dare you? How <laughs> dare you, Dave? Well, it's just somebody has to play well in order for it to be a race. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> we'll just leave it there before the slander comes out. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I had fun. Uh, we gotta. We should do this more often than when we have go for football to talk about. Well, um, I'm I'm certain that uh, you can fit in some guest slots into your busy podcast into our busy once every two years podcast. You know, you got you guys got kids. Things happen, and you can't be this angry that often. We recorded a podcast this week. All right. Yes. This is all you getting. Take all that, right. everybody. Say bye, Dave. Bye, everybody. You almost said bye, Dave. And I'm not even a dad, and I almost (laughs) made a dad joke. Dad jokes will come for you even if you don't have kids, folks. Bye, everybody.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,